Hey, everybody out there. I'm just an average guy talking about football. College football, that is. Chalk talk. Hey, good day, beautiful people, and welcome to another week of College Football Chalk Talk. I am your host, C. Boyd, and as always, I am grateful that you're rocking with me this week. Now, I know I've been away for a few weeks working on my health coaching priorities, but we're back and excited to bring you today's show. In today's show, we'll briefly review the college football playoff rankings after week 10, as well as the teams who are currently bowl eligible and teams that are one win away from becoming bowl eligible. We'll also take a look at some coaches that might be on the hot seat. And lastly, we'll preview some matchups in week 11 that are sure to shake up the college football pitcher. Now again, I am no expert by any means. I'm just an average guy talking about football. College football, that is. And without any further ado, let's start the show. So to begin this week's show, we'll talk about some bowl eligible teams after week 10. Now with just three weeks left in the college football regular season, conference races are really beginning to take take shape and so is the postseason pitcher at least as it relates to the teams that will be a part of it there are 41 bowl games scheduled between december 16th and january the 2nd including the two college football playoff semifinals the cotton bowl classic and the orange bowl with the national championship game set for January the 9th. That means 82 teams across the FBS will get a chance to play beyond the regular season. And with week 10 just concluding, more than half of the available spots have been claimed. 15 more teams punched postseason tickets, including Kansas. The Jayhawks will be going bowling for the first time since 2008. And what's more impressive is this team has accomplished this with three games still to go. Other teams joining the postseason party this week included Florida State, Kentucky, Notre Dame, and Texas, as well as Ohio out of the MAC and Air Force and San Jose State from the Mountain West. The rest of the teams that won their sixth game in Week 10 are listed Baylor, Duke, Louisville, Minnesota, Mississippi State, North Texas, and South Carolina. And while nearly two dozen teams are right on the cusp of bowl eligibility, there are other teams that are fighting for their postseason lives, including Auburn and Texas A&M. These SEC West teams play each other on Saturday, meaning that the loser won't be going bowling this season. Now, here is a list of all 51 teams that are bowl eligible post week 10. We have Air Force, 
Alabama, Baylor, Boise State, Cincinnati, Clemson, Coastal Carolina, Duke, East Carolina, Florida State, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, as well as Kansas State, Kentucky, Liberty, Louisville, LSU, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi State, NC State, North Carolina, North Texas, Notre Dame, Ohio, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Old Miss, Oregon, Oregon State, Penn State, San Jose State, South Alabama, South Carolina, Syracuse, TCU, Tennessee, Toledo, Troy, as well as Tulane, UCF, UCLA, USC, Utah, UTSA, Wake Forest, Washington, and Wyoming. Now that wraps up the 51 teams that are bowl eligible. Congratulations if your team is on that list. We'll definitely look forward to seeing them in the postseason and also seeing how they strongly close out the season. Now we'll look at some teams that are one win away from getting that crucial six win to become bowl eligible. Here are the 23 teams. Appalachian State, Arkansas, Ball State, Bowling Green, Buffalo, BYU, Eastern Michigan, Florida, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, Houston, Iowa, Marshall, Oklahoma, Pitt, Purdue, Rice, San Diego State, SMU, Southern Miss, Yukon, Washington State, Wisconsin, and Western Kentucky. These teams are looking for that crucial six win to be eligible for bowl games, to be eligible to continue to keep their season going, to continue to get that exposure needed for their program. They have three weeks to get it done. Some of the teams may succeed. Some of the teams may fall just short and be looking to regroup in the offseason. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more College Football Chop Talk. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back, beautiful people. This is College Football Chalk Talk, and again, I am your host, C. Boyd. Moving on right along with today's show, let's go ahead and preview some of the coaches that are in the hot seat for this 2022 football season. Now, Sunday's firing of Jess Scott at USF brought in, brought the in-season count of terminated FBS head coaches to a staggering eight And with the better part of the month left in the regular season and conference championship week, 
the total is unlikely to sit put. With that in mind, let's take a look at five jobs that may may have the likelihood of openings by the end of the season, possibly even sooner. We'll start with West Virginia. Now, West Virginia didn't expect to be this frustrated with former Troy head coach Neil Brown, which is why Brown's buyout sits at $20 million. If he's fired at any point in 2022 after new year's day the buyout dips to just under 17 million now brown showed flashes with the mountaineer at times but yet has pushed west virginia past the fifth and sixth win mark the nears are currently three and six and in some ways still stinging from an opening week loss to a heated to a heated uh, pit team with Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State scheduled to close out the season, it's possible 2022 could be Brown's worst record yet in Morgantown. With four new schools arriving in the Big 12, West Virginia risk falling into the bottom of the league's bottom tier, and while it's never been easy for the easternmost program in a Texas-centric league to carve out a consistent recruiting identity since joining, expectations haven't changed in Morgantown. Memories of whipping Clemson in the Orange Bowl are still fresher than they probably should be, and Brown hasn't provided a long enough sting of success during his attempted rebuild to keep critics at bay. Another team that may be looking for a new coach post-2022 or sooner is Tulsa. Now you can add Tulsa to the list of schools looking to elevate their entire football program before the new AAC forms in 2023. The school will meet this week to review current head coach Phil Montgomery, who is 41 and 52 with the Go- with the Golden Hurricanes. Montgomery put together a 7 and 6 season in 2021 but it's long removed from his 10-win breakout in 2016. Tulsa is one of the quieter jobs in all of college football. Honestly, if you're not a fan, when's the, time, when's the last time you thought about these canes? The school's location is prime enough to recruit Texas and the Southeast, but it's a private school and it's done little to market itself as, a dedicate, as dedicated to winning big. That could change with new leadership in the school's president, Brad Carson. Like the rest of the AAC, the Golden Hurricanes are right to be anxious of the new league's picking order, picking order emerges, but especially so because an alumnus emerges on the market. Head coach, G, excuse me, coach G.J. King is 9-1 in his debut season. The former Tulsa quarterback and UCF assistant coach is a Gus Malzahn's discipline who has WIW averaging 562 yards and 51.6 points a game, which is best in the FCS. King wouldn't be a lock for Tulsa, but it seems like a no-brainer 
and with FBS jobs like the next FBS jobs like the next two candidates potentially opening, he'll likely have a large market to choose from. Another team looking the potentially looking for a new coach next season will be Texas State. Now the Sun Belt's forgotten program is three and six this season, and the Bobcats have lost three straight. Jake Spavital is 12 and 33 in his fourth season and has made headlines solely by insinuating high school football talent in Texas to take an all-transfer signing class. Many in the industry assumed the Bobcats would fire Spavital last season, and with a similar record in the works, it's nearly a given that Texas State University will move on soon. Considering this program, Consider this program a build, not a rebuild. With lacking facilities, a zero identity at the FBS level, the next head coach here will have to establish consistency and positive momentum from scratch if it wants to become the most competitive conference in the group of five. As a rule, it's not hard to look past any FBS job in Texas, but so little has been done in San Marcos by both the coaches and administrators that this opening will have some level of buyer beware attached. Still, there's no reason the recent blueprint of high school veterans turned FBS head coaches at Texas Tech and UTSA can yield results better than losing better than a losing season in eight of ten years since they've joined the top subdivision. Another school that may be looking for a head coach post-2022 is UTEP. Now, speaking of Texas, didn't Scratch Powell remember when the Miners kicked off the 2022 season with a week zero battle and a packed Sun Bell against North Texas? It's been fairly quiet since then. UTEP is currently 4-6 and six and losers of two straight games. Dana DeMille's team has a winnable game left against FIU, but a season finale against UT, UTSA in the Alamo Dome to try to lock, lock in that bowl eligibility for the second consecutive year. Now, this one is fairly easy. If the Miners can win out, there's a strong chance that the school retains a DeMille, but getting, by getting back-to-back bowls, Otherwise, DeMille, which is six, who is 16 and 39 in his overall record, is looking at a losing season in his fourth out of five years in El Paso. Another school that we do have that has potential hot seat coaches will be Stanford. Now, it's never been more difficult to complete at a smart school in the changing landscape of college football. Programs like Stanford are hamstring in the transfer portal era as admission standards can't keep up with the free agency atmosphere building in the sport. The Cardinals were blown out by Wazoo 52-14 last weekend, their sixth loss in eight games that extended a 14-25 skid David Shaw since the program's last winning season in 2018. Stafford hasn't found a way to replicate their success developing skilled position talent like Andrew Luck, Bryce Love, 
Kevin Hogan and Christian McCaffrey in the recent seasons. And in the midtime and, and in the meantime, the Pac-12 North has become a more competitive division from top to bottom. Now still Shaw can write his own ticket in Palo Alto after guiding the program to three conference titles, four New Year's Day Bowls, and winning the Rose Bowl twice. If a change happens here, it will be on Shaw's turn. And given how many times he's shrugged off other jobs, he's almost certainly headed for some kind of leadership position on campus. Well, those are some of the schools that are on the hot seat, or I should say some of the coaches that are on the hot seat of potentially losing their job post-2022 season or sooner. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be back back with more College Football Chalk Talk. All right, beautiful people, welcome back. This is College Football Chalk Talk, and I am your host, C. Boyd. Moving right along with today's show, let's go ahead and look at the second week's rankings of the College Football Playoff Selected Committee. Now, the second rankings from the College Football Playoff Selection Committee was released on Tuesday night. Georgia, of course, took the top spot, following, followed by Ohio State at number two, Michigan and TCU in the next two places. Now, what are the key takeaways and things to know from the second top 25 that came out on November the 8th? Where is a short snippet of everything that you need to know? Georgia, like I said, is number one. As expected, Georgia moved to number one spot after thumping Tennessee 27 to 13 on Saturday. Not only was the victory over the Volunteers one of the best and most dominant wins by the team this year. The Bulldogs' all-around talent and potential on both sides of the ball was showcased on Saturday. Coach Kirby Smart has assembled the best team in the nation once again, and now this squad has a dominant victory to claim number one over Ohio State. We also have TCU who jumped up to number four. Now the undefeated Horn Frogs made a three-point jump this week to climb to number four. TCU still has tough obstacles remaining with road trips to Texas and Baylor over the next two weeks. However, Coach Sonny Dykes' team is in great shape to make the college football playoffs if it wins out. And depending on what happens around TCU, there are scenarios where this team can make it uh, can make it to a one-loss can, can be as a one-loss championship big can be in with a one loss also be Big Ten champions Big 12 champions alright another team that we want to look at Tennessee now did they drop too far after ranking number one in the first top 25 Tennessee dropped to number five after their 27-13 loss to Georgia on Saturday but the question was four, stop, was four spots dropped too far the Volunteers still have two top 10 wins, Alabama and LSU, and lost to the number one team, Georgia. Although Tennessee may have dropped a spot too far, Coach Josh Humphrey's team is still in good shape to make the playoffs. 
provided it finishes 11-1. Michigan and Ohio State still have to play, and TCU has remaining tests against Texas and Baylor in the next two weeks. The Volunteer won't face a top 25 team for the rest of the way, so style points may be important against Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Moving right along, it's going to be a key stretch upcoming for the Pac-12. The month of November can be a huge opportunity for the Pac-12 team to build a case for a spot in the college football playoff. Oregon takes on Washington, number 25 this week, followed by Utah, who is number 13, and, a, and, a, and then a road tweak to Oregon State before the Pac-12 title game against either the Utes, USC, or UCLA. Now, the Trojans are also have an opportunity to play its way into the mix as Coach Lincoln Riley's squad gets UCLA and Notre Dame before a potential matchup against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. UCLA is, prob- is a probably a spot or two low at number 12, but Coach Chip Kelly's team can also play its way into the looming mix to the looming showdown against USC and potentially a rematch with Oregon in the conference title game. Another team to talk about, Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame joins the rankings after a convincing 35-14 victory, which helped them get into the top 25 this week. With first-year coach Marcus Freeman's squad checking in at number 20, the Fighting Irish face Navy and Boston College up next. So, an 8-3 eight eight and three record going into the regular season finale against USC is within reach. Notre Dame has no chance of making the playoffs, but a win over the Trojans can help this program get back into the top 12 by the end of the year. Now moving along with today's show, let's go ahead and preview some games in week 11 that will make an impact not only in the rankings, but also in the college football picture. Game we do have coming up, TCU at Texas. Now, number four, TCU puts its undefeated season and short, excuse me, and shot at the spot of a college football playoffs on the line when it plays a dangerous number 18 Texas team on Saturday in the Titanic Big 12 Conference disrupt in Austin, Texas. The Longhorns open as a six and a half point favorite to beat TCU despite the Horned Frogs lofty ranking as one of the top four teams in the college football rankings, Texas's three losses, and TCU's recent success in this series against TCU and Texas. TCU climbed from seventh to fourth in the college football rankings that was released on Tuesday. The Horned Frogs are one of just four undefeated teams in the, F- in the FBS with their latest outing pouncing, producing 34-24 to victory over Texas Tech. TCU tailored, uh, excuse me, TCU trailed 17-13 heading into the fourth quarter, but went in front and then cemented the game with 21 unanswered points. Quarterback Max Duggan was 12-23 for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Darius Davis had an 82-yard punt return for a score and caught a 23-yard pass for another touchdown. And Kendra Miller racked up 158 uh, rushing, rush, 158 yards rushing, and a touchdown to win, and a touchdown in the win for TCU. The Horn Frogs played without 
big time receiver Quentin Johnson because of an ankle injury. Now, four of TCU's wins are against teams it lost to by at least two scores last season, including three by at least three scores. This is the first time the Horned Frogs have been 9-0 since 2010 when they finished 13-0 and won the Rose Bowl. TCU's four victories this season over ranked opponents is second nationally, trailing only Tennessee, who has five. Now, Texas bounced back from a road loss to Oklahoma State and an open week to beat then to beat then number 13 Kansas State 34 to 27 on November the 5th. Bijan Robinson ran for 209 yards and a touchdown and caught two passes for 34 yards. And Xavier Worthy had two touchdown catches in the win. The Longhorns defeated Kansas State for the sixth straight time, snapped a five-game road losing streak, and rose six spots from 24 in the national in the initial college football rankings. Texas lead, led 31-10 after a dominating first half and barely held on, forces forcing a Kansas State fumble meant the potentially game-tying drive in the final minutes. The Horn Frogs have owned Texas since they joined the Big 12 in 2012, winning seven of seven of the ten games with the Longhorns, and four of those five games came played in in Austin. Another game to be to be on the lookout for this week will be Alabama and Old Miss. Now the Southern East Conference road to Atlanta was supposed to reach a major intersection this week on the campus of Old Miss, but one powerhouse school hopes of making the SEC championship game has diminished while the whole school will need a little help as well. On Saturday afternoon in Oxford, the number 11 Ole Miss Rebels will welcome the number 9 Alabama Crimson Tide with neither team having any margin of error if it wants to entertain the possibilities of going to a conference title game in Atlanta. Old Miss lost 45-20 to 20 at, uh, 20 at LSU on October 22nd, putting the squad in a must-win situation if it wanted to see this season even more special than at last year's 10-win regular season and a Sugar Bowl appearance. Now, the Rebels find themselves needing two situations to take place in order to make the SEC Conference Championship game on December the 3rd. Went out and hope that number seven LSU Tigers holding the head-to-head tiebreaker fall at least once in one of their final two conference games at Arkansas or at Texas A&M. So first, they have to take care of Alabama, which fell 32-31 in a dramatic fashion last Saturday uh, on the road at LSU's Death Valley. Rebels coach Lane Kiffin even reached out to a popular SEC college football host and urged him not to egg Nick Saban on even more. Falling on Saturday would mark the first time Alabama has lost back-to-back games since 2013. Alabama's two SEC defeats to Tennessee LSU are uncharacteristics for such a juggernaut of a program which has struggled four times so far. While some could argue that the Crimson Tide could have beaten the Volunteers with a shorter late field goal or won in overtime with better clock management, the naysayers will point a last-second field goal at Texas 
and a gold line stand at home against Texas A&M that could have added two more losses to the Tyler to, to the Tyler team's larger. Alabama has won six straight in the series after losing to former Old Miss head coach Hugh Freeze in 2014 and 2015. However, that 2014 thump was was vindicated for Freeze using ineligible players. Another matchup that's worthy to watch or has college football impact or implications will be LSU at Arkansas. Now, the Tigers moved up to number seven in the college football playoff rankings Tuesday night after a 32-31 overtime victory over Alabama last Saturday. That put them in position to win the West if they win their last two conference games. First up, a game against Arkansas on Saturday. Coming off of an upset victory against the Crimson Tide, LSU set LSU's second in the past 12 meetings, the game against the inconsistent Razorbacks could be seen as a trap game as Arkansas is an SEC opponent that beat them last year 16-13. LSU, which began the season unranked and was unranked recently as of three weeks ago, has has three straight has won three straight beating Florida and previously unbeaten Ole Miss before Alabama. Arkansas rose as high as number 10 in the polls after winning its first three games, but that was followed by a three-game losing streak. The Razorbacks bounced back to beat BYU in Auburn, but by a combined score of 93-62, to but last week they lost at home to Liberty 21-19 as quarterback K.J. Jefferson struggled while playing through a shoulder injury. He had his first multi-interception game of his career, throwing two, but coach Sam Pittman did not turn to back up Malik, Malik Hornsby. Pittman believes Jefferson's limited practice time was the biggest factor in his performance than the injury itself and feels that Jefferson is getting his groove back and will be prepared for Saturday's matchup against LSU. Another matchup or another game to definitely look after or watch will be Georgia at Mississippi State. Now, after taking the top spot in the college football playoff rankings, Georgia will look to prove it belongs there against Mississippi State in the Southeastern Conference play on Saturday in Starksville. Georgia, which was third in the national college football rankings, is coming off a dominant 27-13 home win last week over then number one Tennessee, which fell to number five. Mississippi State defeated visiting Auburn in overtime last week to end a two-game losing streak. Georgia can win its fifth SEC East title in the past six years with a win over Mississippi State or a victory next week um, at number 24, Kentucky. Georgia also advances to the SEC title game if Tennessee loses any of their three remaining league games beginning with Saturday's contest against visiting Missouri. While Mississippi State outgained Auburn 370 yards to 331 in total yards and squandered a 21-point lead against the Tigers, Georgia's performance against Tennessee showed why it's regarded as the country's most complete team. Tennessee enters its game against Georgia leading the country in total offense with 553 yards per game and points of 49 points per game, but the Volunteers 
mustered just 289 yards and 13 points with their long touchdown coming in the final five minutes. Georgia ranks second nationally in scoring defense and is tied for fourth fourth in total defense, sixth in rushing defense, and tied for sixth in first downs allowed. On offense, Georgia is first in the red zone scoring percentage, third in total offense, 10th in passing offense, and 11th in scoring offense. Georgia's quarterback Stenson Bennett has completed 67.8% of his passes for 2,606 yards with 11 touchdowns and 3 interceptions. Tight end Brock Bowers has 34 receptions for 574 yards with 3 touchdowns for Georgia, while Lade McCracky has 38 catches for 507 yards and 3 touchdowns. Kenny McIntosh has been a threat out of the backfield with 31 receptions for 322 yards and a score in addition to rushing for 384 yards and six scores on 79 carries. Dewan Edwards is averaging 5.6 yards per carry, having rushed for 486 yards and seven touchdowns on 87 carries. Now Mississippi State coach Mike Leach asked, what he would what was asked what he would take what it would take to beat the nation's top ranked team and said focus on what you do and have discipline the hardest thing is to get the message to everyone it's easy to say it but everyone has to believe it just worry about what you do worry about your job mississippi's defense features cornerback Emmanuel Forbes and his SEC high five interceptions has given up at least 24 points in five of six league games this season. However, Mississippi State has been much better on offense behind Will Rogers, who has completed 68.3% of his passes for an SEC leading passing yardage of 2,912 and 26 touchdowns against five interceptions. Mississippi State is 8th in passing offense and 11th in red zone scoring percentages. Rara's team has 36 receptions for 540 yards and 5 scores for Mississippi State. Dylan Johnson, 71 carries for 406 yards and 3 touchdowns. And Jacquees Marks has 77 carries for 30, 357 yards and 7 touchdowns. Lead and improve rushing attack. Georgia has won 12 out of 13 meetings between the teams, including a 31-24 home win in the latest matchup in 2020. Another game that we'll go ahead and preview, I should say final game that we'll preview for week 11 will be you. CF at Tulane. Number 17, Tulane will look to move a step closer to the American Atlantic Conference title and a New Year's Day Bowl game as the highest ranked group of five team when they host number 22 UCF on Saturday in New Orleans. The Green Waves, who have won five straight games, are off to their best start since going 12 0 in 1998 and have won more than seven games for their first time since 2002. Tulane number 16 ranking is its highest since finishing number seven in 1998 
which was the last season the Green Waves were ranked before they entered the poll last match. However, AAC leading Tulane is going to have to, def- to defeat second place UCF if it continues to st- if it continues the storybook season. The Knights are also in the mix to earn a guaranteed New Year's Day Bowl game as the highest ranked group of five team. The Knights are coming off a 35-28 win over Memphis, their sixth victory in the past seven games. And quarterback Mickey Neen filled filled in for John uh, Plumley, who was who had sustained a concussion a week earlier, and threw for 219 yards on three touchdowns. J.R. Harvey rushed for 151 yards and scored for UCF, and Kobe Hudson added six receptions for uh, for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Plumley was cleared to play against Memphis, but Coach Gus Malzahn went with Keeney because Plumley hadn't practiced. Malzahn will wait closer to the game's time before naming the starting quarterback for Saturday. Plumley has completed 64% of his passes for 1,883 yards with 11 touchdowns and 6 interceptions, in addition to rushing for team-high tying 532 yards and 7 scores. Harvey has rushed for 532 yards and 4 touchdowns, while Isaiah Bowers had 503 yards and 11 scores on 129 carries. The boys toting the rock. Ryan O'Keefe has 49 receptions for 536 yards and 4 scores, while Javion Baker has 36 catches for, sorry, excuse me, for 504 yards and 3 touchdowns. Now, Tulane is coming off a 27-13 win at Tulsa in which it outgained the, Grand, the Golden Hurricanes 482 yards to 257 in total yardage. Tulane's Michael Pratt has completed 66% of his passes for 1,843 yards with 14 touchdowns and 4 interceptions, while Tajay Spears powers the ground game with 745 yards and 10 touchdowns on 134 carries. The Green Waves have seven players with between 17 and 23 receptions apiece. Shea Wyatt has a team-high 383 yards on 20 receptions with two touchdowns, while Dede McDonald has a team-high 23 receptions for 236 yards. Deuce White and Tariq James each have a team-high five receiving touchdowns. Now, with that being said, turns out we don't have to wait until the college football playoffs extends to see new blood, or at least newer blood. After after a transformative Saturday in Week 10, there are open spots for unexpected participants in the playoffs with four teams, excuse me, with four weeks left until Selection Sunday. For the most, for the first time since 2014, the first year of the college football playoffs, the top four teams in the weekly college football rankings is not likely to include Alabama, Clemson, or Oklahoma. Those three teams have combined for 17 total berths in the eight-year history of the event. Furthermore, wiping away the sweat, the sweat, the rain. And any implications from week 10 or any is another way of just saying Georgia revealed many truths. One of them being 
this year's national championship might be the Bulldogs to lose. Now, that is our show for today, folks. As always, please do have a very, very, very beautiful week. Do leave me a a comment. Let me know your thoughts and what you think about the show, as well as subscribe to the College Football Talk Talk, whichever platform you're listening with. Also, let me know your favorite college football moment of 2022 thus far. And if you have any predictions for the final four teams that will be in the college football playoffs. Lastly, I'm always grateful you are sharing your time and your ears with me. Don't forget to subscribe to the College Football Chalk Talk so you can get up to date on weekly episodes. And as always, have a beautiful day, a beautiful week, and a beautiful life. Be peaceful, beautiful people, and we'll see you next week.